Girl, taking Daisy to the playground is like the one thing I feel like I still have. And now this has ruined it for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. Never again. I know. <laughs> oh, hi, Jillian Pensavalli. Hey, Patrick Hines. Oh, girl, welcome to our last episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, my God. It's over. At the end of this recording, it'll yeah, be that's over. Right. But yeah, it's our last. <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed this bonus drop on your regular feed. Me too. You guys, if you're looking for even more Jillian and me, don't forget, join us on the Patreon. Over 150 full bonus ad-free episodes to download a binge right now at the $5 level. So it's where we do the series, right? So it's everything from the jinx, making a murderer, the staircase to all begun in the dark and the vast. Yeah, and we're doing uh, Wilderness of Error, yeah. which everyone has been wanting us to do. Yeah, it's also ad-free versions of these episodes. There's after parties where we spill all the tea. I'm telling the story of my Ted Haggard, like, multiple email exchange that started out really friendly and then got not friendly. <laughs> Someone's got to do some kind of performance about that. That's, like, I know, totally. unreal. <laughs> You guys, we haven't said this in forever. Join the Facebook group. If you're looking to connect with people in quarantine, join the True Crime Obsessed podcast discussion group. There's like 30,000 people in there. Tons of fun. It's a great place to meet other like true crime fanatics, learn about other true crime talks or podcasts that you don't know about. There's always threads about like other stuff people should be watching and listening to. Yes, always, which is also a great resource for us. I know. know. Very helpful. (laughs) Anything from you this week, girl? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Quarantine. Glossier for their skincare products, but girl, they also make makeup products, body care products, and fragrances. Yeah, I love the fragrance so much. It's a must-have, as you always say. (laughs) Fragrance aside, I really, really want to talk about this three-step skincare routine for dry skin. You know I have dry skin, especially in the winter. It kills me, Uh, but not anymore, thanks to Glossier. Your skin looks so gorgeous, girl, so I'm dying to hear all your secrets. Thank you. So it starts with the Milky Jelly Cleanser. Stay with me now, okay? So it's this pH balance, like a creamy gel face wash. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a moisturizer when you're washing your face. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh, step one. I already love it. <laughs> so then I follow it with this priming moisturizer, which is like this really rich, buttery, like, again, really, really moisturizing cream. Did someone say buttery? That sounds like my jam, girl. I know. You would love it, actually. <laughs> it has like shea butter and honey. It's amazing. Uh-huh. And then I have also my lips get really dry and kind of chapped. And so they have this thing. I love this name. It's called balm.com. <laughs> It's my favorite. Glossier. Yeah, it's all for your lips. It has antioxidants and all this like natural stuff and it nourishes, it smooths, it has a little tint to it. I feel amazing. You guys get the three-step routine for any skin type by visiting glossier.com slash podcast slash TCO. And for a limited time, new customers can get 10% off your first order. Certain exclusions apply. You guys, that's G-L-O-S-S-I-E-R dot com slash podcast slash TCO. Go get your dry skin taken care of, you guys. It's all skin. I just use the dry skin. Do you. It's going to be great. <laughs> all right, girl. What are we talking about today? Oof, Madone. Sorry. We're talking about yeah. the very last episode of Unsolved Mysteries called Stolen Kids. Girl, why do people steal kids? Like, this is what I come back to over and over again. Why does there have to be an episode about this? Why would anybody do this? Yeah, I have a theory. And I don't want to hear about how I just, you know, am telling myself things. Okay. Oh, that may be true. <laughs> 
That may be true, but I need to have this or else I think it would really like fundamentally change the fiber of my being. I just think all the kids are okay. Yes. They're somewhere. Yes. I just have to think that they're with another family as fucked up as that is. Yeah, it's different when you're like stealing babies. Like these kids are babies. And as fucking terrible and sad as that is, like, and we get examples of it in this episode. Like the kids are probably okay. Like, you know, they're probably like taken by people who can't have kids or whatever. It is so fucking tragic. And like, full disclosure, we've had to watch this at least three times because I lost my voice and I kept having to postpone us recording this. So A, thank you. I love you. Thank you for diligently doing that with me. Oh, no problem. And B, I've had to watch this open a million times and it is so fucking sad. This mother is just like sitting looking at us like two camera, just basically talking about the misery of being a parent of a missing kid and like, okay, it's too early to cry, but she's saying like the word that she uses is the longing. It's not a feeling. You know, the longing, the wondering, the want to know, you want answers, something, but you don't have any. The longing you feel. And like, that is a thing. Like, think about your dog. You know what I mean? Totally. It's that feeling of like the helpless thing that you love so much who relies Mm -hmm. 100% on you taking care of them. Right. It's that feeling of like wanting to provide that for the thing that you love the most in the world. Look, I've watched it a lot of times, girl. I know. You're absolutely right, though. (laughs) It's like that. I hate to use the word perfect, but it is the perfect word to describe how these people must be feeling because it's just... Oh, God. I know. And she just says, like, I wouldn't wish this on anyone ever. And then goes into, like, the beautiful theme music. Can I say something about the theme music that I'm just really loving? What? The theme music to this reboot of Unsolved Mysteries, it's different from the old, like, the 90s, 80s, 90s Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. There's a very strong bass line Mm -hmm. playing with the piano. I listen to it on these, like, fancy headphones, and it is so fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Like, the theme music is just perfect. It's creepy and beautiful. And, like, that bass line just really gets me, girl. Look at you. You. I know. I love it. I'm going to miss Unsolved Mysteries. Picking out the baseline. I'm impressed. I, I love that. I'm going to miss Unsolved Mysteries so much. I know they're making a podcast. I cannot wait to listen to the podcast. I hope that they make more episodes because I love it so much. Yeah. So, hey, guess what, girl? We're going to Harlem, New York City, 1989. Guess how the world wasn't back then? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We go through this a lot. We get it. New York in the 70s was bad. But Mary Murphy from WPIX. Yes. From back in the day. Uh, that's a local news station in New York City. I say WPIX like everyone knows what that is. Right. Even I don't know what it is. That's a local news station here. It's Channel 11. Oh. <laughs> it then became the WB. I don't know what it is now because I don't have TV. I just have the apps. But anyway, so Mary Murphy is like, oh my God, New York City was so terrible. And I'm like, I know in the 70s. And she's like talking about New York City in the 1980s. We're talking robberies, assaults. It was really a bad time. Like in the 80s. I and I'm know. Like, I, know. <laughs> I know. It spanned a couple of decades <laughs> where things weren't great in my fair city. Okay, fine. But we get this woman, Rosa, who they describe as a Harlem resident. Oh my no, God. she's like the whole second half of this episode. We'll get to her in a minute. I know, Harlem resident. I was like, what? But no, Rosa's like main character, but Rosa is telling us that like... That time was a lot of drugs going on. A lot of junkies, you know, addicts, you know, people running down the street naked. And people running down the street naked, girl. I had that too. (laughs) Why would people do that? Why not? It was Harlem in 1989. I know. You know. Because I'm like, well, yeah, it sounded terrible to the people running down the street naked. Like, no, girl, that sounds like my kind of neighborhood. It sounds to you, you hear it as like a party. Right. (laughs) Everyone else hears it as like something to be concerned about. (laughs) 
something is happening yeah. to that person or around that person that needs our help. Yes. And you're like, ooh, oh. pass the margs. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Not time for margs. It's not marg o'clock. Oh, no. Sometimes it really hits home that I'm not always a great person. You're an excellent person. You're just, as you discuss with your therapist and also me sometimes, it's not always all about you. No, not always. If I may. <laughs> My therapist this week again said to me, all right, let's go back to how the pandemic you say isn't all about you. <laughs> Underlined, italicized, bolded, all asterisks. You know, they also say that like, yeah, there was a lot of trouble in Harlem, but like Harlem was also a place of like working people, that there was a lot of families there and good people and people like trying to survive with their kids. And you know, like I love these old like photos or like the kids playing in the water and the fire hydrants. And it's like, yeah, yeah of course, like it was a poor neighborhood. So you're going to get it all. And like the thing that like people always talk about is like the violence and the naked people on the street. But like, there are way more people trying to do the right thing and make ends meet and be good people living in this poor neighborhood as well. Right, of course. And they really stress, like, because of that, everyone was really close-knit. You had a lot of children, you had a lot of kids, you had a lot of families. People trying to go to work, come home, and make a living for their families and striving to do the best they can for their families with the brothers and sisters in that community. We were all close-knit. All the kids knew each other. Totally. All the parents were looking after everyone's kids. And they were just like, we're just like trying to do the best for ourselves and our families. And that's, they were kind of all in it together. Yeah, so we're back with that woman from the beginning. Her name is Allison. And she and her like entire extended family live in the housing development called Martin Luther King Towers in central Harlem. There's like 10 towers. It takes up two like full city blocks. And her son is Christopher. And again, like all of her extended, her mother, her siblings, her cousins, they all live in that building. Yeah, and she says, it takes a village to raise a family and that's basically what it was. Yeah, and she's a single mom. She's got two kids. So of course, like everyone's pitching in. Right, and so, you know, she says Christopher and she had another son, LaVon, and LaVon was three and Christopher was two. So the mom says that the kids both had nicknames. LaVon's nickname was Poncho and Christopher was Choo Choo. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, but like kids get nicknames the weirdest way. I would love to know why he's Choo Choo. I just love it. Yeah, maybe he said it a lot. Yeah. It wouldn't make any sense to us at all, as with so many nicknames. I know. We meet Carolyn, his aunt, and she's like, to this day, I still call <laughs> So Carolyn tells us that, like, you know, Christopher was very attached to the family. He was really close with his mom. He loved to be outside. And, you know, like, we all live in New York City. Like, we know the apartments are small. The playgrounds for parents are such a refuge. Like, I, to this day, live at playgrounds with Daisy. Like, you gotta get your kids outside. You gotta get out of your small apartment and like the playgrounds are where you take your kids. They're great. Yeah, so you know I have no I might ask you a lot of questions about this playground of which you speak because I have this playground culture, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Playground culture, like I mean I've been to the playground with you and Steve and Daisy like that is so often like used to be in the before times like a meeting place for us or if I was at your apartment and I would like it was time for me to go or whatever I would like drop you off the playground say hi and then be on my way. We are very much a playground family. Daisy's like a very athletic kid so like she loves the playground. I love playgrounds too. And I will not let Unsolved Mysteries take that away from me, girl. I'm not letting them take it away from me. So it's Thursday, May 18th, 1989. And Allison and Carolyn are saying like they went to the playground as usual. Me and Christopher, we walked and went to the park. We went down the slide a couple of times. And he had a blast that day. 
And make it on the big ones by itself. So I would slide down with him. You know, Christopher, like, wants his mom to be with him because he's, like, too afraid to go down the slides. It's very, like, every kid is like that. And I have, like, oh, my God, playgrounds are fucking terrifying. So the playgrounds nowadays, they literally build the structure so you can see through everything. There's, like, not really anywhere you can be in a playground where you can't see through all of the equipment to, like, where your oh kid is. Oh, my God. But if it wasn't like that back then. I looked yes. up pictures of this playground back in the day and it's all like stone and like wood and plastic. The slides were all enclosed. Yes. Yeah. Everything's enclosed and like you cannot fucking see your kids. And just like seeing images of that in this episode, like that scared me. Yeah. That's terrifying. You can always, always see your kids at like any modern playground in New York City now, but it wasn't like this back then. Right. So they're saying that like we were just playing with the kids in the park. You know, so always happy to be outside. It was just so hot that day. Everybody was in the park. Park was so crowded. And the park was, it was always very, very crowded. But today, almost more than usual, it was really, really crowded. It was really hot out. Again, there are 10 buildings like in this housing development. And this is like the place where you go to be outside. So this playground is always packed. Right. So they were like, okay, here's our routine. We all go to the park. And then maybe, you know, one of the, because, you know, remember it takes a village. It's like yeah. the ants and all the moms. And so maybe someone would go to the store and get the kids something or whatever. Which is so normal. Like, that's honestly, honestly, I know what that is. It's the parent getting the fuck away for five minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess and being like a human being yes. where you can be your own person totally. and your own self for five goddamn minutes. Yeah, it's my turn to go to the store and get the snacks. But that's what happens. Allison leaves Christopher with her mom to go to the store and like, we get this heartbreaking like hugs and kisses and I'll be right back. And I just have this note like, this is so normal. And again, because the entire family lived in this building, they're all at the playground. And like, this was my question. Whenever I'm at the playground with Daisy, my eyes are almost always on her. Mm -hmm. Though I definitely have had that terrifying moment of like looking at my phone for like just a minute. I'm like responding to a text to anybody and it takes me 15 seconds instead of 10 seconds and you look up and you can't see her right away. Uh -huh. And that moment, that moment of like, oh my God. But like they say that it was even more unusual for the kid to get kidnapped because so many family members were there. So, so many eyes would be on the kids. But I was wondering if it was the opposite of like everyone thinks everyone else is watching. So you you don't have to pay super close attention. Like when you're the only parent with the kid at the playground, you're basically staring at the kid the whole time, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think so too. Like, I think that's also kind of normal to think, look, there are seven of us here. Everyone's kind of watching each other's kids. And I think it's just human. Like it's a normal thing to sort of have that extended conversation for a couple seconds too long. Cause you figure one of the other eight people you're with totally. must have eyes on the kid like that. Totally. And that's not placing blame on anybody, but it's just like, it's busy. It's hot. Yeah. It's loud probably because kids just don't know how to not be loud. They're <laughs> you cannot imagine how loud those playgrounds are when all those kids are there. And one kid is always fucking like kicking the slide. You know that set. Stop kicking. <laughs> Stop. I know they need to get. Let me just say, I used to live across from a schoolyard. Yep, yep. That was not a playground. It was just an open space. This is why you don't want kids. I'm convinced that this is what turned you off. Uh, the, the apartment I just moved out of after 10 years. I yes. never wanted them. But I, this did not help. <laughs> <laughs> this did not help. Absolutely. Because the kids need to be outside. I'm not saying you have to keep them indoors all day yeah. long at school. I totally support the need for kids to be at a playground type place. Again, this is not a playground. This is just like a parking lot. Yeah. It was a New York City schoolyard. Yeah. And because, you know, it's just all day long from 745 or seven o'clock in the morning when they're outside to go in. Yeah. And then every grade would be out in shifts. So it was all day long. Oh, God. These kids screaming. And Patrick, I mean, I know you know, but when I say 
say screaming. I mean, blood curdling, yeah. top of their lungs, bloody murder screaming. Yep. All day long. And the language, and I'm no prude, right? But I'm like, did that kid just, what did they just say? Why did you live there for 10 years? Why? Because I had to, that's what I could afford. It's like where I lived. It's the best I could have done. And so in this like old, like literally falling apart slanted floor building. And so. (laughs) Which is normal. That's just how we live, you guys. We just accept that as normal in New York City. (laughs) One teeny tiny closet. Like in the real world, like in suburbia, Uh the one single closet I had is easily half the size of like someone's linen (laughs) closet. I had one. Oh my God. And because it was outside, the noise just bounces around and right into my apartment and my ears. And my life and my soul, it, it, it got into my soul. So the point is, I don't know a lot about playgrounds yeah. and the outside with the kids. I don't know oh much my about God. that. I'm learning a lot. Travel down the road and back again. Girl, hello, Fresh is back. Look, it's America's number one meal kit. This is not a talking point. I'm going to say it every single time. I don't care. The thing about HelloFresh is that you never have to worry about what's for dinner. That's always the hardest part of our week. It's Wednesday afternoon. It's 4.30. We're starving. We have no food at home. We're like, oh, what are we going to do for dinner? We have to go to the grocery store. Are we going to order? No, girl. When you have HelloFresh in the fridge, you always know it's for dinner. You've already done the hard part. Right. And you know I love spending this time with you, but I'm counting the seconds until we're done recording so I can go cook my HelloFresh. I have this amazing risotto waiting for me with like tomatoes and balsamic vinegar. Let me tell you, it's snowing outside. It is the perfect cozy thing. And Mike and I pick the meals. So every couple of weeks, we'll go in and see what's coming. Yeah. You could add a fourth meal now, which sometimes we do. Yes. You know, it's winter. Okay, so let's get the soups. Let's get the risotto. Let's get the cozy, cozy stuff. It's like yes. a lot of these recipes have like one pot, which you know I love. Yes. You're ready to go in like 30 minutes. They send you all the pre-portioned ingredients. They're super easy to follow. Directions, you guys. It makes even me feel like a cook. You can add on if you want to add lunches. You can do like salads and fully cooked chicken breasts. Honest to goodness, the food situation is the worst part of my week. HelloFresh has made my life so much easier, girl. Those salads are great. Also, the garlic bread. Yeah. Uh, when you have a pasta dish, get the garlic bread. It's so good. Get in on the HelloFresh. It's changed our lives. You guys, go to HelloFresh.com slash TCO10 and use code TCO10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. One more time, because this is very important. Go to HelloFresh.com slash TCO10 and use code TCO10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. When you've done HelloFresh, you never have to wonder what's for dinner. That's all I'm saying, you guys. America's number one meal kit. How many times do we have to say it? So 30 minutes later, Allison, Christopher's mom, gets back. It was crowded in the park when I came back, just like it was before I left. You know, kids was playing. So I'm looking for my mother and I'm seeing them. So then I'm looking around. So then I'm like, where's Christopher? So then they looking too, like, oh, he, he's here. He's so we just got up and I'm looking. So she gets back and she sees her mother and she's like, where's Christopher? Like, just that. I know. Like, that moment alone is enough for my heart to sink into my shoes and for me to never recover. And, th- and that's a mother, right? Like, she's there yeah. 0.2 seconds. She's barely back in the playground. And she's like, where, where is, he? is he? She knows he's not there immediately. Yep. And she's like, everyone gets up and looking. No one is seeing him. And this is where I have the note. Like, every parent has had this moment. There have been times I've had to look, like, for a minute for my kid at a playground. And like every second that ticks by, you're like, oh, oh God, oh God, oh God. And you, it just escalates. And then and then there she is and everything's fine. And you're like, I'm never taking my phone out ever again. But like Carolyn is like, you know, there were five of us watching him. They're all running around like looking for him. And Allison just has this moment where she's like, she leaves the playground and now she's looking outside the playground. And she goes, mm-hmm. she goes, and you can tell like 
this ain't going the right way. You could just tell this wasn't going the right way. And that was like, right. oh God, like I can't imagine that moment of like accepting that like I kind of know no matter how much I look and how much I scream and how much I yell, my kid is gone. Yeah. And let me ask you something and let the record show I know who I'm asking yeah, when I ask the following <laughs> question. That minute where you're like, shit, I can't find Daisy. Yeah. Are you yelling? I, no. and I'm, I'm, re- I'm asking truly like when you're in that real moment, all bits aside, are you yelling or are you just in a panic? No, because, you know, normally there are a lot of parents at a playground and if you panic like that, it's going to be all fucking hands on deck. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right, right. So, and I've seen that happen. I did one time see a mom. I kind of noticed her looking and I saw that she was like, couldn't find her kid and she started screaming. The little girl's name was Jessica and it was like every parent and within four seconds the kid was found and the mom was like hysterical. But it's like, for me, I do like a one sweep around and like I didn't see her. Do you say her name? Yeah. You don't say like, this, you're silent. You know? Oh yeah, just everything's yeah, fine. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> cool. Everybody calm down. Get the call map if you haven't exactly. already. Exactly. But Relax. you do notice that like, you do kind of know that like, that's when you look around and you're like, all right, these are the people that are going to be in my life forever if I can't find my daughter right now. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What if you hate them? What if it's that bitch you hate who <laughs> just walked in earlier and now you're stuck with her for life? <laughs> oh my God. So now we meet Ken the cop. I'm not convinced that Ken the cop is ever fully sober in this episode. <laughs> yeah. He's retired. Yes. He is, he's retired and he's here. Yeah. And he was like the cop on the scene. He just like, he's saying all the right things about the urgency without demonstrating any of the actual <laughs> urgency. <laughs> he's not just not demonstrating urgency. It's like negative. Yeah, he's a little too. <laughs> Officers rush to the scene. Everybody takes that seriously. Yeah, that's an all hands type of police job. Everybody knows how critical those first few minutes, first hours are in the returning of the kids. What he's saying is, you know, like everyone splits up, right? Like everyone is now looking for Christopher. And now it is that panic and it's all hands on deck and it's, you know, everyone's taking it seriously. And so the cops are rushing to the scene because they are telling us like they take that shit seriously too. And what Ken is trying to express in his like monotone, maybe hungover way is that the first few minutes are the most critical. Yeah. Like we got to get some movement fast. And Ken is very chill about it. <laughs> he really is. Like all of the 15 times I've watched this, I'm like, Ken, you're too calm. Like even in the reenactment, you're too calm. So Ken is saying that like the first step is an initial canvas on the street, like asking everybody if they saw anything out of the ordinary. Then they go into the buildings. And remember, there are 10 buildings. And that reporter from the beginning, she tells us there were 10 towers in the development and each tower has about 14 floors, and each floor has multiple apartments. Nothing about this could possibly be fast. Right, and because the thing is, like, there's no way to search in a timely fashion, so to speak, and that's also assuming that Christopher and whoever, or Christopher wandered back into the apartment. Right. So on top of that, going through all the buildings, cops are everywhere, the helicopters are here. Yeah. Like, I mean, it seems like, I mean, Ken's no Ken's no help here to tell us the urgency, <laughs> but it feels like there was a lot of urgency there in the moment. And Ken is saying to us, he's like, that's a lot of people in a relatively small area. The magnitude, what had to go on that day and the days subsequently, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of work. But when you have missing children, you do what needs to be done. This 
resulted in a lot of work for us. But you know, when you're dealing with a missing kid, you do what you got to do. So I just said, oh, thanks, Ken. Thanks, oh, thanks, Ken. girl. Thanks. <laughs> we want a gold star. Thanks for doing your job. You know, it really, it really actually, this was a real big inconvenience. But uh, but when a kid's missing, I guess you got to get your hands dirty. Ken! You got to stay till 5.03. Really get the job done. That's what it sounds like is what he's saying. I know. Ken, girl. I'm like, Ken, you know that you're a cop in Harlem in the 80s, right, girl? Like, every day you're coming to work, if it's not this crisis, it's another one. Yeah, you knew here, Ken. <laughs> so, you know, the search area was a 25-block radius, and they're searching the bodies of water in Central Park, and they're thinking, where could a two-year-old go? The search area for Christopher was 24 blocks. It was fairly close to Holland Beers, which is the north end of Central Park Precinct. There's a lake there. So, again, I used to live right in this neighborhood. And the Harlem Mirror is what they're talking about. It's the body of water that they have divers in. And I'm not making a joke. There's no way that he could have gotten from that playground right. into the Harlem Mirror unless somebody put him in there. Like, he's two, you guys. No. Like, two-year-olds aren't great walkers. They're certainly not crossing. He would have had to cross, like, 115th, 114th, right. 113th, 112th, all the way down to 110th. Cross 110th. Found a way into Central Park, which like yeah. there's a long brick wall right there. He would have had to walk over to Fifth Avenue to get in. And also know where he's going. Right. Two-year-olds don't know where they're going. No. And like now I'm imagining him like in a business suit. Yeah, with a little briefcase. The paper tucked under his arm. No. Like if any reasonable person saw a two-year-old walking down the street, they would scoop him up and find a police officer. Yeah, exactly. So my point is like, mm-hmm. you guys are wasting your resources. Like, I'm seeing divers in the Harlem mirror. How do you think the kid got there? Yeah, I think when this happened happens when the kids are taken to their new homes, which Uh, I have to believe is where they're going, right? Yeah. For this desperate family, as fucked up as it is, it's like all things considered, it's the best possible outcome, right? That kid is in a car seconds after they're removed from the playground. That car is on the Long Island Expressway. Right. Oh, God. You know what I mean? Like, And so it's a good question, but to me, I'm going to try to phrase this in a way that doesn't seem like a total callous, heartless thing to say. Sometimes like searching in the bodies of water seems a little bit for sure. Yeah, 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 totally. I think it kind of all comes back to stop fucking stealing people's kids. You know? If you don't steal people's kids, we don't have to deal with any of this. Feels like we could really nip it in the bud if we stopped (laughs) being garbage. Like, it's just, I don't know how many times I have to say it. So we're back to Allison, and she's just saying, like, a couple hours have gone by at this point, and she's just like, It was a couple of hours of no Christopher. So, you know, you start thinking the words, not... You know, like, is this for real? Like, is this really happening? this really happened. And then we're back at the playground with Ken, who's like kind of limping along. And I just went, <laughs> Ken, Ken does not seem like he's in the best physical health. You okay, girl? Yeah. And also just to keep it like everyone in this documentary, it's a really hard, shitty thing to talk about. And I, I know. Think, yeah. And it's like, I would have had a couple of glasses of whatever. <laughs> totally. too. The night, but all the weeks, all the days leading up to this. And then the I morning. know. But Ken is pointing out that like, there's lots of entrances and exits. There's an entrance on Lennox Avenue. Over here, there was a hole in the fence where a lot of the kids would come and go. So there was a lot of entrances and exits. There were holes in the fences. Like, this park wasn't really particularly well-maintained. Like, there's lots of ways a kid can get in and out or, like, somebody with malintent can get in and out with a kid without people noticing. It's terrible. Right. And Allison's like, look, and Christopher, like, he was so attached, he would never have willingly walked off with a stranger, right? And she's like, even if somebody took him, he would be crying. And then I'm like, yeah, but no one would say anything 
because kids cry. Like kids cry like they're being tortured when they're in the produce aisle. You know what I mean? Kids just scream and cry. And so I, 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 you I, hate children. It's my I favorite thing about them. you. I'm just saying they cry, right? So like, yeah. as a, as a parent, when you have that knowing, like, I know, right? Sorry, girl, you're really going through it. You know, totally, that look totally. of like, oh my god, like I've totally been there. Like my kid was just screaming bloody murder yeah. five minutes ago. Like I'm so sorry. So when there's like a playground filled with kids and it's busy and there's another kid crying, like it doesn't really yeah. have the sense of urgency because people know that kids cry. I am not a monster. I know, no, no, no. You are totally not a monster. <laughs> the other thing I want to say is like, Allison, girl, you got to let yourself off the hook. He was two. Of course. Like, two-year-olds don't know anything. Two-year-olds are puppies. Like, no. they walk off or not walk off. There's no such thing to a two-year-old. Like, somebody scooped this kid up right. and ran away, you know? like, And it's no one's fault but the person who did the scooping. No. Like, absolutely. Exactly. And, like, Daisy, I have this note. I'm like, Daisy, she's six. If some stranger had a puppy in a car, Daisy would 100% get in. Let me tell you, I'd get in. Yeah, true. So- <laughs> right. This is why you cannot let six-year-olds or gorgeous podcasters out of your sight <laughs> for more than five seconds, you guys. I mean, we're like puppies. Right. We just don't have any. <laughs> so they're thinking like, all right, who could have done this? Let's look at the family. Yeah. Maybe there was a custody battle or maybe there was some drama that we don't know about. So the cops decide to look into Christopher's father who's living where else? Florida. <laughs> like, okay, this guy's living in Florida. Allison tells us straight up this guy's not involved in Christopher's life, but they drag him up from Florida anyway to see if this dad who wanted nothing to do with his kid right. kidnapped his kid from the parent who wanted to raise him. Cops, I think you're spending your money wrong, girl. Ken was definitely in charge of this operation. Right, and so Ken is like... There was no indication that he was involved in any way with the disappearance. There we are, back at square one. Sometimes you gotta just take it and go on and look at the other theories. Oh, yeah, uh, ooh, the father was uh, in the clear, so I guess we're back to square one. Uh, Your stretch. Yanni Ken is perfect. <laughs> Your Yanni ooh. Ken face is great. <laughs> Wait, do it again, do it again. <laughs> you know what's weird about, I'm learning a lot of things today in this episode, yeah. but mostly that I can do the yawn sound. Totally. Like sometimes on this podcast, like I, cause I don't like rehearse any, I'm not yeah. like the Bill Hader, like Fred Armisen, like looking in the mirror, trying to do the impression. I'm just like, what, what I just try to make it sound like the way they sound in my head. Yeah. And I learned that I can do the yawn sound. Just like when I learned I could do the, yeah, sure. the, the car, <laughs> the highway sound from class action bar. Totally. Girl, Nutrafol is back. Look, this is all about your hair, girl. You already have gorgeous hair, but tell me how Nutrafol is making it even better. So here's the thing. I shed a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Purple hairs are all over the apartment. You can't murder anybody, girl. I can't get away with anything. But, you know, I should say used to be all over the apartment because I've been taking Nutrafol for a while now. Yes. Like, it's all about, like, taking back control of your hair. And it's if you have weakened hair or thinning hair or if you just shed a lot like me. Yeah. It's these pills, right? You take four pills a day. And within six months, 86% of women reported improved hair growth. And I'm one of them. And I got to tell you guys, I'm reading this right now. 30 Mm -hmm. million women are impacted by weakened and thinning hair. When my sister gets stressed, like it comes out in her hair. Her hair literally comes out. She started taking Nutrafol a few months back. It's made a huge difference. Sure. I called her on FaceTime last night. She had this Uh thick top knot on the top of her head. I'm convinced it's from Nutrafol. Look, healthier hair growth takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. But in about like three to six months, you're going to experience thicker, stronger, and faster growing hair. It's amazing. It's a miracle. So you guys, you 
can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using promo code TCO and new customers will get 20% off. This is their best offer available anywhere. Plus free shipping on every order. So get 20% off at Nutrafol.com and that's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com and the promo code's TCO. Go get your thick and healthy hair on. Yeah, don't shed and don't murder. <laughs> Girl, Everlane is back. Look, I know you love them for a million reasons, but one of the reasons is because they're not like other retailers. They partner with the world's most ethical factories and make quality clothing with radically transparent pricing. Tell me everything. Yeah, I mean, sustainability is literally, literally woven into every piece of fabric that Everlane uses. So they have like natural fibers and recycled synthetics. Yeah. It's just like a great pair of jeans. Like I, of course, have these black jeans and they're amazing. Like I can wear them all day and I'm like, oh, I'm not in leggings today. I'm in my Everlane jeans. And Mike felt the same way because he got a pair of sneakers from them. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes with sneakers that are like, oh, these are fancy sneakers, like you would have to break them in. No, no, no. He's like, these could be like my home comfy sneakers. And when we can go out again in two years, like maybe I can wear them out too. The thing that I love is that they show you right there how much it costs them to make the thing and then how much you're paying for it. So, you know, you're not getting these crazy like rip off markups, you guys. I'm just saying like they make great gifts. Right. Really. People will be so excited because, you know, the sweaters, the jeans, whatever, they're all comfortable. They're so sustainable. They're built to last. And you can sleep at night knowing that this is coming from a company who's actually trying to do some good in this world for once. And you can actually sleep at night in their amazing loungewear. I'm just saying I'm kind of obsessed with the loungewear. Good segue, girl. <laughs> Thank you, girl. Nice job. We didn't even plan that. You guys go to everlane.com slash TCO and sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping. And get easy returns within 60 days of your ship date. So that's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com slash TCO and sign up. You won't regret it, I'm telling you. The jeans are so comfy. Get the loungewear. And the loungewear. They're basically the same thing. Right. Ken definitely seems like the drunk uncle you get to play Santa. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, because all he has to do is sit there. Totally. Oh, I'll just sit there. I just want to sit there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Ken. And we learn, this kind of made me uncomfortable, but like Ken is also saying that it could be drug-related because Allison apparently had been an addict. Why are we re-traumatizing this woman? We're like making her come and talk about her son that was kidnapped. I know. And now she has to like blame herself out loud for being an addict when like the two things are probably not connected at all. Right. No, not at all. And so, you know, and even her sister is here to say like, look, that had nothing to do with Christopher going missing. And I'm like, yeah, you know who's at fault for Christopher going missing? The guy who took him. Right. That's it. Right. Right. That's it. Exactly. It felt like we were sort of like making her talk about her shame for no reason. I really, I didn't like it at all. But you know what I do like? We meet Rosa Glover. Earlier in the episode, her lower third was Harlem resident. Now she's like a main character for the second half of this episode. Right. Because her son, Shane, yeah. was also taken. The first thing she says to us was like, I didn't know that that boy was missing from that park until my son got taken from that park. I had no idea that kid was taken from the park. If I had known, I never would have taken my kid to the park. How on earth are there not 800 flyers at that playground every day? Like, I know. watch your kids. There was just a kidnapping here. Ken, stop dragging up the dad that didn't want anything to do with the kid from Florida and make a fucking poster and put it up at the playground. Yeah, I mean, that's a step in the right direction sure. if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Honestly, though, there's 10 buildings in this complex. Why aren't there flyers on every bulletin board? You know every floor has one. I know. So Rosa tells us her story. Back then, Shane was 19 months old, and I was 35 years old. I thought I never could have any kids, and all of a sudden, bam, 
And this is calling my special boy. So it's Thursday, August 10th, 1989. She'd always take him to the park in the afternoon around five o'clock. It was really, really busy. So Rosa worked five days a week. She had two days a week off. Again, she would take Shane to the park and she tells us about this day. And I actually kind of love her. Rosa's got a strong Steve Tipton vibe where she kind of just doesn't want to be bothered. Just please leave her alone, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Steve Tipton and I don't share a lot of vibes. I don't know why I called him Steve Tipton. Steve. Um, we don't share a lot of vibes, but they're like, I'm okay. I'm all right. Leave me alone. That vibe we share. If we have any new listeners because of our Office Ladies ad, Steve oh. Tipton is my husband. Right. Sorry. <laughs> But she says that she, like, gets to the park a little after five. This little girl, age 10, and this little boy, age six, come up to her, and they want to play with her son, Shane. And Shane is 19 months. Like, he's not even two yet. So this does happen a lot at playgrounds where, like, bigger kids want to play with the little kids. Daisy's kind of like that at playgrounds. Okay. So it's a little weird, like, believe me, these poor fucking kids are going to be investigated for the rest of their lives. But it's not that weird. So at first she says, First I told them they don't go and leave me alone. I told them to go away and leave me alone. I was like, Rosa, Yeah, they're just two kids. I want to play with your kid. But a 10-year-old and like 19 months, not even two, like that to me sounds like, do they know how to do it? There's just a nicer way of saying it than go away. You know what I mean? Well, maybe she's just telling us. Right. But I think that like a six and a 10-year-old maybe wouldn't know how to properly play with a not even two-year-old. Like maybe they'd be too rough. I don't know. I get that. I'm just saying maybe, Rosie, you say something to the effect of, oh, sweetheart, you know, why don't, I, why don't we all play together? Not leave me alone. And here I am. I'm like, Rosa said nothing wrong. I don't I know, know what you're talking about. But she relents. She lets Shane go play with them. Because she says that they, like, insisted. They kept coming back and saying, like, please, yeah. please, please. And she was like, girl, no. And finally she was like, all right, fine. Yeah. And it's kind of this, like, weird chain of events where she finally says fine. And she lets them take him to the slide. She goes and sits on a bench. And a man comes and sits next to her. And she turns her head. And she says she turned back. And Shane was gone. Right. So this man that sits next to her isn't really talked about much in this episode. I've looked into him a little bit and he was like sort of talking to her about like criminal activity like it seemed a little bit like this man had an agenda but who knows so Rosa gets up and she starts looking for Shane and she sees the two kids the other kids that she let play with Shane had like left him alone like they're coming back into the park having left the park and she's like where's my son and they're like I don't know like he's playing over there where we left him right so when someone says leave me alone and don't play with my kid (laughs) this is why a 10 and a 6 year old they don't know what the hell they're doing No, and I don't blame them. Kids are kids and they lose interest and they're like, bye. Totally. But like, yeah, so she's panicking. She's running around and screaming. People are helping her look and she's like, he wasn't there wasn't there. And the cops tell us like what's weird too is that this happened around the same time. Like both of these kids going missing both on Thursdays. Yeah. Lots of people were at the park around five o'clock. They were like three months apart. Separated by three months but around the same time of day. Right. And so that to me is interesting. Yeah. That's interesting to everybody. The police are like all right you know they launch a massive search. Once again the bells get sounded. There's an immediate search by the uniform officers. Massive interviews, canvases of the King Tower buildings. They're canvassing the towers again. They're looking in the dumpsters and the garbage chutes. Oh. oh my God. And they're like literally knocking on doors and like showing pictures and like just nothing. And Rose is like, I want you to talk to those two kids because it's weird. Like the kids came up, they insisted. I said yes. Then the man sits down and I looked at the man like she and I. Yeah. I'm with her on this. So the cops, of course, interview the kids at length. Well, the kids say, hey, listen, we were playing. We didn't see see anybody take him. 
we turned around, and he went off and played in another part of the park. The parents of the two kids who were identified, interviewed, their story came clean, they were checked out, and there was no indication that they were involved in any way. And they had no information. They were just like, look, we were playing, and then, like you said, like, we're kids, we got bored, we just ran away, and, like, their parents were questioned, and the cops clear these kids of any connection to anything. Yeah, because the thought had been, like, you know, were the kids acting as decoys? Like, right. I'm like, don't look at the kids, look at the kids' parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, these two kids are not kidnapping this little boy. Like, no, no, no. You know, but, like, if they were really insistent on playing Playing with this kid that then gets kidnapped, are they unknowingly assisting another adult in getting, like, in separating this little kid from his parents? Right. Valid question, you know? Absolutely. Like, I think the reason they're questioned at length is, like, what do they know that they don't know they know, you know? Exactly. But then, this is annoying in this episode, because the man from the bench was checked out and cleared. He had checked out completely. There was no indication that he was involved in any way with the disappearance. But I'm like, but how? Like, they don't give us any information. They're not like he had an alibi. Like, I don't care what the kids said, only because of exactly what you said. Like, they probably have no idea that they're pawns, if they are. Yeah. But we have no information about why this guy was cleared, what his alibi was. Like, we get nothing. And my other question is, like, how thoroughly did the cops, like, look into talking to the other parents that were at the playground on both days, right? Mm -hmm. Especially at a playground in a development like this. Like, the same people go to the playground every day. So if you think about it, like in both instances, somebody not known to most of the people at the playground had to come in and somehow take, like scoop this kid up, Mm -hmm. like probably cover their mouth with their hand and walk off with them. Somebody saw something. Yeah, yeah. Somebody fucking saw something, you know? Like, I mean, unless whoever did this, like also lived in the community, I don't know. But like, I'm thinking that this had to be a person that most people didn't recognize. Even the playground that I go to that like isn't in my... Like, it's not in my building the way this playground is in this, like, this community. Sure. I still recognize parents day to day, you know? Yeah. It's the same people go to the same place. Like, somebody had to have seen something. And now, this poor person who's, like, new at the playground, everyone's going to be like, who are you? What do you know? What's going on? And they're like, I just want my kid to be outside. Like, I just... No, said aloud. And now Rosa is like back at the scene of the crime and she's sobbing and she's just like, It's hard not to blame yourself when, you know, especially when you was there, you know? You, you was there. That's, 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 that's why you blame yourself. You was there, you know? You let somebody take your kids from. Rosa doesn't seem like a super emotional person to me. So when she started crying here, it really like caught me off guard. I know. I know. You know. But what's so crazy to me is that like Allison and Rosa are learning about each other's situations. So they do this like a $30,000 reward. They start a task force. There are signs everywhere. And now they have what they're calling sound trucks driving around the neighborhood, making this ominous announcement about these missing kids. Yes. Which I'm finally like, could you have done that after the first one went missing and then maybe Rosa would have known about it? Right, but that's how Allison, Christopher's mom, hears about this. And she is shocked. She's like, wait a second. There was another child. So Christopher was missing in May. Yes. Now Shane in August. And now it's what, like October probably? And they're like, they're doing the sound truck. I know. And Allison's like, I never knew her, but I empathized with her. And I'm kind of like, wow, how have Allison and Rosa never met? I know. You know? Yeah. Like they lived in the same community and both of their kids went missing from the same park and they've never met. Like, but I get it. My old apartment building was really small and 
and there were people that I didn't know. Yeah, I guess that's true. I get it. And now Ken is theorizing. He's like, the worst case scenario is that there's like a pedophile out there or that there's like a serial killer out there. Like, this is fucking terrifying. And then Mary Murphy from WPIX, which (laughs) just makes me feel very nostalgic, but she's like... (laughs) After Shane went missing, it seemed like the NYPD escalated things. And she says something here where I'm like, wait, what? She's like... No, I didn't know this either. She's like... Most children that go missing, we find them. It's highly unusual not to find babies that go missing. And I'm like, really, girl? It doesn't seem like that at all. Like, if that's true, great. I want that to be true so badly, but it just doesn't feel like that. I think that Mary is giving us misinformation. I think what she means is the kids aren't actually missing. Like, they're around the corner and you find them like one second. I don't think she means like kidnapped children. Because Mary, girl, I don't think that's true. Cite your sources, girl. That's what I'm saying. I'd like to see like, what are you talking about? Like, like babies that get kidnapped? Like, we're about to learn how actually rare it is for us to like find the babies when they get actually kidnapped. So I think what Mary is saying is that like, no, no, they weren't actually missing. They were there. It's just like that panic moment of like not knowing where your kid is. And then Mary's like, well, that's when we started to hear about a baby selling ring. And Ken tells us, he literally says, the possibility that anybody would be selling black infants or young boys was explored. And while it's an interesting theory as to why these kids were missing, it's not likely. Ken, girl, could you pick your words a little more carefully, please? Mm -hmm. He says, it's highly unlikely nothing ever surfaced to show that that was the case. My theory, I'll just lay my cards out here. I don't think that anyone was selling these kids. I think that these kids were being kidnapped by people who couldn't have kids and wanted to, like, raise the kids on their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like there was, like, a selling ring. I just think, like, people were taking kids. I mean, this is a poor community. This is a housing project. These are marginalized people of color. I think the idea is we take one of their kids and nobody's going to really care or look that hard. Right. No. As fucking brutal. The words coming out of my mouth, I hated saying it, but I think that that's the theory behind whoever took these kids. Yeah, I agree. And I think because it was the same place. Yeah. A couple months apart, like the cops didn't make any progress in May. I think someone was paid yeah. to go into this community and steal kids. Exactly. Like you said, that no one would really care that much about. Yeah. Or they just did it on their own. Like, is it weird? that I imagine it's a woman. You know what I mean? Like Stealing two of them back to back? Like Maybe. You know what I mean? Like, I imagine like a person who looks like a mom in a playground, uh-huh. you're going to look sideways at a new mom way less than you're going to look sideways at a new man. That's just... Some guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really true. Yeah. Girl, Solitaire Grand Harvest is back. It's a game for your phone. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you something, girl, and you're going to laugh. What? <laughs> I have really leaned into this. I was not a solitaire person before I got this game. You guys, this game is so decompressing and so relaxing. It's exactly what I need. Beginning of the day, middle of the day, end of the day, you guys. It's like challenging, but not that hard, but then as hard kind of as you want it to be. The way that it works is that you earn hourly bonuses based on how many crops you can grow. They call it Tri-Peaks Solitaire, and it has this like really cute farm aesthetic. There's a dog, there's a pig. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole thing. But like every time you advance to levels, it's like, ooh, I got like new crops to grow. And then every hour you get like more and more of a bonus based on how many crops you have. I don't even know if you know this about me. I have this weird farmer Midwest kind of like obsession. I don't know. I get really into it. Like I said, I was never a solitaire person before this. I'm obsessed. You guys, it's free to play. It's just a lot of fun. It's so not me. And I'm obsessed with it. I know you hit the card and it like 
like floats away. And again, when you get three stars, the dog shows up. Like, come on. It's so cute. You guys, we are obsessed. So whether you're stuck inside or just dreaming of the great outdoors, now you can have a fun farm style getaway right at your fingertips. Which is great for us city hicks. This is, again, truly I know. my only exercise. Know. So download Solitaire Grand Harvest for free today in the Apple App Store, Google Play, and Amazon. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. If I love it, you're going to love it. <laughs> Harvest those crops, girl. Go nuts. <laughs> All right. So, you know, Rosa is saying that, like, for a while, the cops really worked on this. There were cops coming to my door every day, and they really worked. But ultimately, it came to nothing. And so Mary Murphy is saying, look, like, that part of Harlem is just too densely populated. Like, it is possible that they just sort of vanished and we'll never hear from them again. But then she's like, or... And stay with me. Bear with me now. She's like, it's very possible that they're still alive living with a family with someone who was desperate enough to steal a baby. Yeah. And so this is honestly, this is what I was saying in the beginning. This is the best possible scenario, all things considered. Totally. And, you know, I was thinking about this, too, because I'm like, that's what we think and hope happened to Madeline McCann. Right. Like, but like the Madeline McCann was so high profile. There's no way that Madeline McCann could have been living with a couple and like the neighbors wouldn't notice. That is not the case for these. Kids. No, no. If these kids were taken by a couple that like this did not make national news. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so it is totally possible that these kids could have been spirited away to like somewhere just a couple miles out of the city and no one ever would have been the wiser. Right. Because we're here with this guy, Robert, who's the VP for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We dealt with them a lot in the Madeline McCann series. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, after 30 years, the likelihood of finding a child alive and well, yes, is remote. But we've learned to never give up on these children. Because we've seen amazing things happen. Don't give up on these stories. I've seen amazing things happen. And here's one of those things, right? There was this girl, Carolina White, yeah. in August of 1987, two years before this happened. She was 19 days old. She was taken to the hospital with a fever of 104, which is like, that's no joke, right? You have a 19 day old baby with 104 degree fever. Like you're at the hospital immediately. Yeah. And they go to Harlem Hospital, another like very, very, very busy place. They met a woman who was dressed as a nurse and she was comforting the parents and then sometime when the shifts were changing this nurse apparently smuggled out the baby when the shifts were changing this nurse smuggled the baby out and this is a case that made national news yeah and they searched for her and they never found her you guys this was in 1987 and then in january 2011 this girl named nettie nance had gotten pregnant and she needed to get insurance and in order to get insurance she needed a valid birth certificate she takes hers in and she's told it's a forgery and apparently we're told that like she had like for a long long time suspected that she wasn't the biological daughter of the people who were raising her. And she's in Georgia. So this is 23 years later in Georgia. She realizes that her birth certificate is fake. She gives it a gook. Yeah. And before you know it, it's like bada bing, bada boom. Like there's a DNA test happening and it's confirmed that she is Carlina. The woman that raised Nettie Nance ends up getting arrested and charged with kidnapping. It turns out that Ann Petway had wanted to have children and had a series of miscarriages and was distraught over that. And supposedly that was the impetus for her to go and take a baby. And she'd been raised as Nettie Nance. She's reunited with her birth mother. And it's kind of amazing because we had just a second ago seen the archival footage of her mother when the baby was taken, like hysterical and beside herself. Right. 30 seconds later, we're seeing them sitting at what looks like a Thanksgiving dinner in 2011. And the mom looks, the mom is not aged a day, by the way. The mom is so gorgeous. They're so happy. And I'm like, okay, this is a really great story. I would like an episode in 
entirely dedicated to this, please. I agree. Like, we see the mugshot of the woman who was pretending to be the nurse. We learned that, like, Carlina had always suspected that that woman wasn't really her mother. What happened? I know. And Georgia? Like, how'd she get from Harlem to Georgia? Like, what is that? Like, what? I need to know everything. And does Carlina still talk to the woman that raised her as her mother? Like, was it a good relationship? I have so many questions. But the point is, it does happen. It does happen that, like, after many years, these kids are reunited. And so, like, the story is giving hope to Allison and Rosa. It was a blessing to see that. It was a good story to hear and know that she was um, reunited with her family. The hope is that if it could happen to her, the hope is that it could happen to me too. Yeah, and we start to meet these people, like these forensic artists who like talk about how these kids grow up on their computer screens because they take these like photos of them from when they were a kid and then they take like images of their parents and they try to age progress them so we can like circulate, you know, like this is what this kid probably looks like. If you see him, he's actually a missing kid. Right, and it was kind of interesting because they take common family characteristics. So if they want like, yeah. like pictures of your entire family tree, it's kind of cool. Yeah, and it's really sad because we see see these age-progressed photos of Shane and Christopher, and, like, we literally are watching them age. And, like, this is so perfectly Unsolved Mysteries because as amazing as this technology is, it's fucking creepy as hell, too. It is. Oh, my God. It's so scary. It's so scary. Like, I'm trying to lean into the science and the coolness of it because it's actually terrifying. Yeah. So, like, you know, both of the kids right now, like, would be, like, in their 30s. And everyone is saying, like, I mean, I have so many questions, you know? Like, were these two kids, they were taken from from the same place? Were they taken by the same person? Yeah. Were they raised as brothers? Like, are there two brothers living somewhere who, like, have always kind of wondered in the back of their minds, like, what their real mm-hmm. story is? I think it's the same person. And do you think they're being raised together? I hope so. Does that sound weird to say? Like, I hope they're at least together, I guess. Well, and my other question is, like, how much do two-year-olds remember? Probably, like, they actually physically probably don't remember much, but, like, uh-huh. the trauma of being taken away from the only, like, parent that you knew when you were two. Like, there must have been effects on Christopher. Oh, of like, course. Shane was a bit younger, so maybe it wouldn't be quite so bad. Right. But, like, where are they? Like, where are they? And that's why I say all things considered. Yeah. Like, I hope that they're in some house somewhere with some family, but it's still the internal trauma that you don't understand because you don't remember being taken, but you know that something is happening or something is missing. Like, it's not a good ending. No. Let me be clear. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, it kind of ends with both Allison and Rosa saying, like, I believe that we'll be reunited. I believe that we'll come together again, and I just really hope so, and I'm like, this episode's been out now for several months, and there's been no, like, updates in the case. I know. Christopher and Shane, where, where are, are you? you? It's why I want everybody to go like do the 23andMe thing where you get the swab and you put your DNA in the database yeah. so we can find you. Like, can you imagine that reunification for these parents? I know. I mean, yeah, it's like I have two main goals here. One, that they're okay, yeah. that they're in a home and that everyone does the DNA testing so we can find everybody. I want to find everyone. Unsolved Mysteries, if you had to look back and pick a favorite, Ooh. which one would be your favorite? Oh, you put me on the spot. I know. My favorite to watch or my favorite one to talk to you about? Either way. Maybe because it was recent. I liked talking to you about the spiritual stuff in the Tsunami episode as much as yeah. that Tsunami episode made me really, really anxious and actually like affected me mentally. I enjoyed totally. talking to you about it because I really like the monk and I like that. Um, the UFO one was fun. Oh, yes. Oh my God, I forgot about that one. <laughs> I really like the Ray 
Rivera one sticks with me. That was the I first have a one, lot yeah. of questions about that. Yeah. I really loved, of course, Lady in the Lake because it was directed by Sky and it was so beautiful and like so well shot. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a really enduring mystery. Like, what the fuck happened? No. The Butt Prince. I know the Butt Prince. And I also think the Oslo one, the one about that woman in Oslo where Lars, the reporter, was the secret agent. Yeah, was like obsessed with that. So, like, all of them are so good. I just love them all. And again, you guys, they're making an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. So stay tuned. Look at your podcast feeds for when that comes out because I am dying for that. Yeah. And you know, who knows? Maybe I'm telling tales out of school here, but maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll put some more bonus episodes in your regular feed. I don't know. Maybe. Did you guys enjoy it? Have we been discussing the possibility of doing more in the coming year? Yeah. I mean, here's another Unsolved Mystery for you. Will we put more free episodes on the regular feed? I don't know. Who knows? Much like Unsolved Mysteries, I'm not going to give you any more information. <laughs> um, You guys, we love you so much. Girl, tell them where they can find us. Oh, they can find us at truecrimeobsessed.com. That is a website, yep. www.truecrimeobsessed.com. Um, our Instagram is True Crime Obsessed Podcast. We are True Crime Obsessed, no ED on Twitter. You are Patrick Hines on Twitter and Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram. And you're Jillian with a G on all the things. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, if you just gotta have more of the fun laughs, good times, find us on Patreon. Over 150 full bonus ad-free episodes to download a binge right now covering every episode of every series you've ever wanted us to discuss. Yeah, like we just finished The Vow and I'll Be Gone in the Dark. We did Tiger King, Don't F with Cats. We're doing Wilderness of Error. Yeah. It's all that stuff like Lorena, all those long series. Yeah, Lacey Peterson, Jody Arias, The Menendez Murders. Also, ad-free versions of these episodes, After Parties. It's basically just like more GP and me than you guys are even ready for, I think. Is that close to 23 and me? Totally. <laughs> and go get your DNA in the website, you guys. We need it there. Yes, we want to find everybody. I'm so like, <laughs> at the end of my notes of this, I'm like, they're so young. Fuck everything. I With, like all of these exclamation points. Like I just kept hitting the exclamation point. I was so mad. Fuck everything. Oh, we love you guys. We love you. Thanks so much for hanging. All right, bye. Bye. She'd always take him to the park in the afternoon around five o'clock. It was really, really busy. And I'm like, yeah, five o'clock makes sense. Oh, wait, no, that's a playground. Right. <laughs> Wrong kind of playground. <laughs> not my type of playground. Okay. Not the not the gay bar, the playground, where they do two for one Stolio Martinis every day from five starting, to five. Starting at five. Right, right. exactly. So when I hear playground five, I'm like, ooh, wait. <laughs> Got it. Sorry. Been inside for a long time. Sorry about that. I gotta tell you, like a, a bar, like a, a joke about a bar called the playground, it sounds very Golden Girls to me. Yeah. Like, like the petting zoo, Dorothy, even I don't go there anymore. Right, right, right. <laughs> we have a lot of bar ideas. I know. <laughs> and I want them all to be in existence. We've made a lot of fake bars in our day. I know, totally. Remember Fred is in the sky? Of course. Well, I don't want to go there yet. I know. <laughs> that means we have to be dead. <laughs> A thousand more podcasts to make, girl. Not ready yet. I know. Not ready to go. If we have any new listeners because of our office ladies ad, Steve Tipton is my husband. (laughs) Right. Sorry. (laughs) And our office, our like office manager. No, not uh, our office. He's our business manager. Business manager. God. How we doing? How we doing today, girl? (laughs) Not great. No, we're doing great. We're doing great. We're doing great. 